Persons under 18 will not be admitted. What's up, everybody? This is Jeff. And Ben. From Talking With The Dead. And Still Talking With. And Still Talking With. Still Talking With is our live show. Yes. You can catch that every Wednesday. At 7 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. That's yes. Eastern yeah, time. Oh, yeah, you live yeah. in fucking California, it's got to be three. No, four. Four? Yeah. They're oh. only three hours behind. What about daylight savings? Yeah, well, fuck that. We'll worry about that when I've had Okay, it. so if you're on the West Coast, you're going to have to look up when 6 o'clock is out there compared to here. Which would be actually 7 o'clock out there instead of here. 7 o'clock? Yeah. No, before this is over, I'm going to need a whole lot of serious therapy. You're all fucked up today. Another dollar for the swear jar! I'm always fucked up. <laughs> you should tune into the show and see really how fucked up I can get. Oh, yeah. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And when you do tune in, you're going to see amazing guests like this. Hey, this is Courtney Gaines. You know me from such movies as Children of the Corn, Can't Buy Me Love, The Burbs, uh, even Back to the Future. Hey, everybody. This is Anson Williams. And I'm going to be on Still Talking with... Hi, I'm Deadeye Swackhammer, and you're listening to Still Talking with... Hey, guys. It's Boston comedian Dave Russo, and you're listening to Still Talking. Do not change that dial. I'm going to punch you in the face. You fuckers. Right in the face. Hi, this is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo, and you're listening to Still Toking With on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Disgusting. Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token with my name's Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have a awesome, awesome episode for you, as usual. And uh, without further ado, Mr. Benjamin, how's it going? Awesome, awesome. Awesome, awesome. Awesome, awesome. I don't know. I'm just playing on your words. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. I'm actually kind of excited for tonight's guest. Oh, hell yeah. Well, did I say that right? Did it come out right? Excited to chat with our guest tonight. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Are you doing okay tonight? Oh, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, Jeffrey. Hey, hey. Happy Wednesday. And it's um, awesome sauce, isn't it? Isn't that what you say? Awesome sauce? Awesome sauce. You can say awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're from Connecticut. We say that up in this neck of the woods. Awesome sauce. I, I so happy Wednesday. I'm excited. Uh, let's uh, get right into it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's welcome Michael Barron. Welcome, Mike. How you doing? Am I on? Am I on? You You're are on, on, sir. Good evening. <laughs> oh, yes. By the way, Mike, yes, we're live now. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a short nap. That's okay. Most of our guests do that. You know, 
So um, you're out in the Midwest somewhere out there. So you guys are having uh, the beginnings of what we're going to get later, huh? Uh, yeah, weather seems to go west to east. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was yeah, short and sweet right there. He yep. told you like it was. <laughs> it is. That's how it works. So you, know, you asked for it. Right? So, um, Mike. I saw you on. Uh, oh Zeus, shit! Anyway, oh, sorry, boys. Are you okay? Huh? Oh no, I pushed the wrong button. You disappeared, but I'm back, and I can see you all oh, now. There you are. <laughs> oh yeah, there you are. Okay. I I know uh, you were asking for the YouTube link, so I I just gave it to you, so you should have it. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh okay. Behind the scenes stuff going on always. Yeah. It's always yes, yes, pops. We we established that one, and we established yep. that uh, weather goes uh, west to east, west to east. Yeah, and, yep, and that yep. it's cold out. <laughs> Any, anything oh. else we'd like to talk about? No, no. no, that's it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, since you live out in Colorado. Um, do you ski? Do you partake in winter activities like that? No, you'd, you'd be a snowball down the hill. <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. When I first moved out here, I did a lot of hiking, a lot of hiking in the mountains. Nice. Not so but much. I'm no skier. No, just... no skier. No. Okay. But no. he is he is a comic writer though. That's yes, right. Yes, he is a comic he is, writer. He's a comic writer. Yeah. So go ahead, Leo. You brought it up. Go for it. Well, so so uh, you started your career in the seventies, and uh, you've worked oh. on. Yeah. No. Let's not push it. Okay. My first <laughs> my first uh, published comic was Nexus in nineteen eighty one. Okay. What the hell? Yes. What, Wikipedia is wrong. Okay. Well, it says he he entered the comic industry and illustrated with an illustrated text piece. Oh, yes, for Weird, Trips yes. Magazine. Weird Trips Magazine. Well, that's yes. true. Uh, my first published piece was for uh, my old pal Dennis Kitchen uh, in a kitchen sink publication, but I didn't consider that comic book work. Uh, first serious comic I did was Nexus. Nexus, which was uh, nineteen eighty one. Yeah. Yep. So, so uh, you've uh, you're. Currently doing uh, your own independent work, but you've worked for Marvel. You worked for DC, Dark Horse. Uh, done work on your. Uh, you worked on the uh, the reboot of the Flash Volume Two. Uh, your you did a lot of work with Punisher, if uh, I'm correct with that as well. Yeah. And, uh, responsible for the uh, character Microchip. How did that come about? It seemed to me uh, that. The Punisher needed technical support, but he couldn't be as effective as he was without somebody backing him up, providing the, the arms and the communication system. It was just too much for one man. And so Microchip was born. Awesome. Uh, I, I, I love, uh, you know, that character in, in the movies. I don't know if he carried on to the TV show or whatnot. He did, but uh, they changed him completely. Yeah. So this is one discussion that's come up a lot with, with, you know, writers that create characters. You know, when 
those uh, characters you've created make it onto like the big screen and whatnot. The 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 large uh, comic companies they don't really give any kickback, do they? No, they do. I they can't do. complain. Okay. Uh, Marvel has paid me for microchip. Uh, DC has paid me for storylines on the Flash television show that they took from my comic. Oh, nice. I have no complaints. I only oh, wish good. that I had created a lot more characters, but who knew that they would put every one of these characters on screen? Right. Uh, I would have delved into a lot more superheroics, but nobody knew that this was coming. And I only say that because it would have paid well, uh, because really I enjoy writing my own characters more than I write anybody else's characters. Mm -hmm. uh, Makes Pops, sense. Yeah. Uh, Pops is asking, what did you find in, in the mountains, Mike? Well, one day, Pops, we were working our way up a, a, a trail uh, in Rocky Mountain National Park, and we came along uh, across a couple of women walking their horses in front of us. They couldn't ride the horses because the trail was too steep, so they were walking the horses. And they're going at a slow pace, and we were following, and we had to stop occasionally, let the horses do their thing, and then we had to step around it on the trail. <laughs> That's about as exciting as it gets. But when you get to the top, the view is awe-inspiring. Mm. One day we started out in the parking lot in Rocky Mountain National Park. It was in the 80s. And we climbed to the top of Flat Top. And when we got up there, there was a blizzard going on. We couldn't see 15 feet and there was snow everywhere. Wow. What was the weather when you started? It was in the 80s. What the heck? He, he said that already. It was in the 80s. By the time they got to the top, it, there was a blizzard. It was oh, in the 80s. my bad. I thought this was like <laughs> in the 1980s. No, I didn't move <laughs> out here until 2003. Okay. <laughs> uh, keep up, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. My bad, my bad. Um, <laughs> you got me kicking early. So, yeah. No answer. <laughs> uh, you're messing with me. Um, so, Mike, I want to know of all the characters that you've personally created, what's your favorite one? Badger. And you're going to have to pick one. You can't say they're all my favorites. He just did. He did you hear me, Jeff? No, I did not. I think I was talking. <laughs> Badger. I heard you. Badger. Badger. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So yeah. tell us a little That's bit about Badger. Well, you know, we've got Nexus going, and uh, I wanted to get another book going. And I saw Jeff Butler's art on a poster downtown Madison. He uh, had done a poster for, I think, the uh, UW basketball Badgers. And I called him out. I said, Jeff. Do you want to do comics? He said, yeah. And I said, well, what do you want to draw, Jeff? And he says, I want to draw druids. So I said, okay. And I wrote this 10-page story about a druid wizard uh, who was an apostate and so reviled by his fellow wizards that they took up a collection and hired the Vikings to put him in a coma, sail west, and drop him off the edge of the earth. But, of course, they never came to the edge of the earth. They came to North America, and they carried them in, inland as far as they could, and then they buried them in what would turn out to be Wisconsin. So uh, Jeff drew it, and it was beautiful. And we took it in, and we showed it to the boys at Capitol. 
And Milton says, nah, no one wants to read about druids. Give us a costume crime fighter. And my first thought was, why wouldn't anybody put on a costume and fight crime? They'd have to be insane. <laughs> but I was reading a book at the time called The, the Minds of Billy Milligan. Uh, was the first serious study of multiple personality disorder. So that's where that idea came from. And then I, I went to, uh, I said, Jeff, they, they don't want druids. They want a costume crime fighter. And Jeff says, well, I'm not going to waste these pages. I said, fine. I'll write the badger and we'll use the first 10 pages and the badger won't appear until page 11, which is what happened. And then they meet when they're both in an insane asylum. Uh, Nakoma State uh, Hospital for the Mentally Ill. And uh, that's how Badger met Ham, the weather wizard. There you go. Okay. I've never read those, actually, but I'm going to have to. <laughs> right. It sounds really interesting. They do yeah, sound I mean, interesting. When I Googled Badger, all kinds <laughs> of weird shit was coming up. Google Badger comic. Yeah, well, yeah, I had to get specific. <laughs> I just Googled Badger, and uh, yeah, all oh, yeah, the shit that popped up. Scary, some of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Right off the track. Was, yeah, it was that thing, the honey badger. That's what I saw, the honey badger. What the well, hell? Well, I like the honey badger, but he's African. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but there are many types of badgers. Uh, the uh, North American badger is pretty ferocious. Uh, the English badger is a nice, polite fellow who will sit down and have tea with you. And the honey badger, as everybody knows, don't give a shit. <laughs> have you seen that video? I have. I have. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I, You've never seen that? Oh, it's a riot. I might yeah, have. Yeah, just Google honey badger don't give a shit. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to write that down. <laughs> or, I will, or, or I'm going to forget. That's all right. I'll remind you. Now there we go. Yeah. And uh, so this is Dark Horse Comics uh, Badger. Yeah, that Jill Tom Thompson illustrated that series. We've had many artists on the Badger over the years, as befits a multiple personality, uh, and most of them have been pretty great. Now, how, how many books in total do you have with the Badger? Well, there's over 100, well over 100. Uh, there are a couple of collections IDW put out years ago, but they're very hard to find. And we're talking about putting out a couple more omnibuses. First is still in business, but it doesn't have the presence it used to have. It's more or less a boutique publisher now uh, that puts out a handful of graphic novels every year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Pops is just blowing up the chat, huh? I know. He is going uh, off. My uh so uh Pop says you wrote a Bruce Lee book? That's true. I wrote Bruce Lee for uh Malibu. And oh, this nice. was back in the days before the Lee family was micromanaging every manifestation and dealing with them to uh get the maximum profit, which I certainly understand. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were pretty free to do whatever story we wanted. And uh, Vail Meyerick was the illustrator. Uh, and uh, one of my 
uh, goals when I do comics, especially martial arts comics, is to portray the martial arts in a realistic and dynamic manner uh, and not with people wildly swinging their fists or a big close-up of a foot. People don't want to see that. They want to see clear, exciting, dynamic techniques like you would see in a great kung fu movie. Mm -hmm. And so I choreograph these elaborately so that the reader can see the technique and the fight unfold step by step and understand the techniques that are used. And they're far more than just punches and kicks. We use joint locks, takedowns, chokeouts, things like those uh, to make it interesting because you can characterize a person in a fight by their actions. Uh, and another thing I have to point out is when people are fighting, they don't carry on conversations. They don't make witty quips. They barely have the breath to keep moving. And that's another thing that uh, I've done in all my martial arts comics I've, is uh, to do away with that awful forced banter that appears in most action comics. True. It's true. Yeah, it is, actually. I never looked at it like that, but... No, it's very true. Because, yeah. so, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of comic book writers, they, they look at the finished pages and they think, well, here's a panel. I have to add some words. Well, no, you don't. I mean, one of the tenets of, of visual storytelling being a movie, a comic, or a novel is to show, don't tell. You impart as much knowledge visually as you mm -hmm. can to advance the story for the reader to absorb. Uh, and you saved your words uh, for characterization and sometimes to advance the story, but you parcel those words out like gold. You don't spread them all over everything like manure. Very well said. I, I, I noticed yeah. that, you know, uh, yeah. comics throughout the ages, like, like more recently, it seems to be more of a collaboration between the writer and the artist, you know, where, uh, you know, a lot of the newer comics uh, are relying more on art, you know, and, and trying to be uh, sparse with, you know, the words, you know, you got to let the art. What's that? We wish. But oh, let's yeah. face it, comics are a visual medium. And the reason all of us got into comics is because we saw some spectacular art be it yep. Steranko or Neil Adams or Mark Silvestri mm -hmm. or Todd McFarlane or Kelly Jones. We saw that and we thought, wow, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I have to have that. But most of the time you take those books home and you read them and the story just doesn't measure up. Yeah. But that's true of every field. There's a great science fiction writer. His name was Theodore Sturgeon. And he created Sturgeon's Law, which is 90% of everything is crap. And that applies across the board to all arts. Right. 90% of everything is crap. That's true. <laughs> I thought it was more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe nowadays it is. Right. It's more um, like 98%. Go ahead, Leo. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I, I totally get what, what you're getting at there, Mike. Uh, I mean, looking back at, you know, a lot of comics in like the 80s, like the early X-Men and stuff like that, you know, just they try to throw way too much story in it, you know, and it's, it's like it's absolutely right. You're not going to have, you know, 
uh, a huge uh, narrative during a fight or anything like that. You know, it's uh, it was utterly ridiculous. Looking back. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, compared to books today, you know, they definitely cut down on a lot of verbiage. It's still there, but right you know, compared, you know, books in the '80s and even like the early '90s to you know books today, it's definitely a, a vast difference. So, I read you also published a book in 2014 called Biker. Yes, I just uh, published the ninth novel uh, earlier this year. I'm working on the tenth one now. Biker is hard-boiled crime. Uh, and the protagonist, a reformed motorcycle hoodlum who went to prison and found God and came out determined to turn his life around. The stories are harsh. They are brutal. There's a lot of action. I'm working in the, in the footprints of masters like uh, Raymond Chandler and John D. McDonald, if I dare compare myself to them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm happy with the books and the readers seem happy with the books. So I am encouraged. And you're having well, fun. I am having fun. The latest biker is called Khan. And it uh, was inspired by the Tiger King. And uh, they hire Josh, a, uh, an animal sanctuary, hires Josh to help the, them go into this, uh, this tiger circus, like the Tiger King kept, uh, well, they transport the sick and injured animals into their trucks to take them to a sanctuary and nurse them back to health uh, because they fear that the people that remain at the, uh, the tiger circus are hostile to them, and they are, uh, and they might need some protection. But what the story is really about is one of the women there forges a bond with a Siberian tiger, and before the sanctuary people arrive, she takes off with the tiger so they hire Josh to track her down and bring the tiger back. Okay. Well, how many stories you got in that little head? Endless? <laughs> <laughs> as many as necessary. Right. But you know, right. I... I, it's amazing. I, it seems to me, all I do is sit around and, and scroll through uh, the internet. I have friends who are very successful, who write two to 5,000 words a day, come hell or high water, and that's all they do. And one of them is my friend Peter Brandbold, the Western writer. He's got 50 novels in print. If you love Westerns, you'll love Peter Brandbold. And Pete just gets up every morning, sits down and writes. Wow. And so does Kevin J. Anderson. Kevin doesn't actually write. He dictates into a recording machine while hiking through the mountains. And, and he publishes at least 500,000 words a year. You know him by his uh, Dune sequels, but also his star-spanning sagas and Dan Shamble, Zombie Detective. Wow. See, I can't write like that. I have to, I have, to have solitude. I can't just get up and write. It's going to be right mind frame for me anyways well you gotta force yourself into that mind frame but i hear you about solitude you know um like when when we jeff and i when we first started writing the novel that we spun into the comic books it started at his camp up in maine because i would be the first one up at 5 a.m sitting there looking at the lake nothing and it and it just opens and i can just write and i i'm old school so i write it all down on paper and then i go back and type it up Good for you. 
And then I send it to Jeff and he goes, what the hell? <laughs> There's no punctuations. It's all capitalized. <laughs> I write like that too. Uh, with, but then, uh, of course, once I, uh, you know, I make notes in a, in a notepad. And when I get to what I think is a critical mass where the, the characters and the personalities and the plot come together, then I start an outline. I used to shun outlines, but now I'm a big believer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll write an outline. And when the outline is finished, then I'll start on the novel. Okay. I can see that. Well. Yeah. So how many how many words do you write a day? Well, I uh, try to do at least one chapter, and a chapter is between twelve hundred and sixteen hundred words. But sometimes, when I'm really uh, ripping along, I'll do two chapters, and maybe even three. Yeah. Yep. See, and that's what I meant by that. Sometimes I can sit down and it, I just can't get the whole chapter out. But there's other times, from like you said, where I can sit down and. I can write three or four chapters and it's all, like I said, my solitude, where, where, where my head is at at the time. Uh, my latest project is the private American. It came about because I have been toying with vigilante characters all my life. I wrote the Punisher for five years and I asked myself, what would the Punisher do today if I were writing him? He would be on the southern border trying to stanch the flow of fentanyl, human traffickers, and terrorists coming into the country. Uh, and so I wrote it. And I have three rules when writing. My first rule is the most important. It's that it's my job to entertain. The book must enthrall. It's my goal to grab the reader by the throat and drag him into the narrative to the exclusion of all else. And I try to do that. And I don't mm -hmm. let anything out of the house unless it's a home run these days. And Private American is that kind of story. Number two is show, don't tell. And we've already been over that. Number three is be original. Well, how do you do that? Well, we're all unique human beings. Uh, and we bring our own personal observations and attitudes to what we write. Right. Uh, but... The more you can imagine the viewpoint of other characters, the better writer you'll be. A truly great writer has to imagine every point of view. Well, look at Shakespeare. Uh, there are people today that said, he shouldn't have written Othello. That's cultural appropriation, to which we say, GTFO. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, as you know, uh, some vicious creep out of the blue attacked us with an article on the Daily Cause saying that the book was racist as fuck. And those mm -hmm. are her words. She hasn't seen the book. She has no idea what's in the book. There's no racism in it whatsoever. And then she called all her pals to start writing Kickstarter to have our program removed. And she succeeded. And they took it down from Kickstarter. Yep. So now the only place you can order it is on Indiegogo. But like a lot of my friends, my book is being shadow banned, which means if you go to Indiegogo and type in Private American by Mike Barron, it won't show up. The only way you can find it is by following this link, theprivateamerican.com. And that'll take you right to it. And we're in demand now. Uh, and we're doing very well. As you know, I was on Fox News on Monday. I was going to bring that up. The, yeah. the numbers rose uh, precipitously. And I was on Fox News 
because they were astonished at the pettiness of these censors who mm -hmm. are trying to prevent a point of view they don't like, even though it's fiction and billed as fiction and pure entertainment from seeing the light of day. Right. But I promise you this, it's a very entertaining comic. There's no speeches in it. There are no bumper <laughs> stickers. There are no lectures. It's just pure action. Uh, and, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, this storyline wouldn't be controversial at all. It's just in today's hyper-partisan atmosphere, we're not permitted to mention the southern border. It's ridiculous. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I, I watched your interview on Fox. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was kind of blown away that somebody would even bring that to the table saying that, you know, because in all honesty, I want to see the comic come out because I want to read it. Well, you'll love it. Because you know, I love that stuff. I love the, the good guy gets the bad guy, um, saves that person, you know, and, you know, yeah, so he blew his head off. Oh, great. You know, it's like you said, it's, it's fiction. Um, and it's in the reader. Right. And, you know, it's not overly gruesome. There's been worse stuff in Marvel comics. Uh, it's just all action. Right. Uh, and Richard Bonk is our artist. He did that cover. Gabe el colored it. Uh, we have two other covers, one by my friend Steve Rude and one by Dan Lawless. They're both magnificent. You can see them there. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. So despite the fact of, of what happened, you said this is moving along well. Oh, now? yes. Oh, yes. Good. Yes. And, uh, and well, also, it should. Yeah. Right. And we're looking at other crowdfunding uh, possibilities. And a lot of people are looking at them now because they're fed up with this petty censorship. Uh, and uh, I have some friends who are creating crowdfunding platforms, which we will probably be moving to in the future. Now, if you have a big enough following, like Eric July, uh, who has thousands of, of YouTube followers, he introduced his own comic called Isom, mm -hmm. uh, and he raised $3 million in a couple of weeks. Well, the other day, somebody sent me a link to his program, and to my astonishment, he was talking about me. The whole program was right. about how petty these people are and trying to stifle a point of view they don't like. No, it is true. I, it's I, sad, I, really. It's just oh, it's, sad. it's extremely. I I don't know how somebody can judge something that you know isn't even out to be read yet. Well, it, you know this. If you go back to like when when I was in school and you know I know Leo you're right here in my age Jeff you're a few years older but we were always taught in school to never judge a book by its cover. Oh yeah. That's all I'm going to say. You know that that's why we bought all those comics because of the covers. Well, right. We loved the cover <laughs> but we didn't judge the book. Right. See, right. I never judged what was going to be in the book. I just loved the artwork. So well, sometimes I'd get through the first page and go, yeah, it's crap in there, but this artwork is fucking that, amazing. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jeff, Jeff is the same way. I, I can say I've walked into record stores with him and go, oh, dude, look, look at this cover of this album. This is insane. This is awesome. The music sucked. Uh, but the cover was great. Well, you, you know, uh, as long <laughs> as you mention music, uh, 
I have to have physical products. So, and I review music all the time. I'm a huge power pop fan. Mm -hmm. I write for popgeekheaven.com. Uh, and I, I do it. I don't get paid. I do it so I can keep up with the new music. And every year I say it, and every year it's true. This has been one of the greatest years in pop music history. You just never know it reading the so-called music press or watching the so-called awards shows or, or the billboard charts, because it's all underground. The exciting, beautiful music we loved as, as younger people, like I'm talking about the Beatles, Cheap Trick, the Beach Boys, the Birds, that's all power pop. It's all mm -hmm. underground, but it's thriving more than ever. And most of these bands are putting out their CDs. And uh, I always say, Give me physical product. They say, Mike, we'll send you a download. And I said, no, I don't want to see a download. I don't do downloads. I don't sit at my computer and listen to the, the album. I listen to the record while I'm driving around. I put it in the dash. Uh, and, and collectors have to have physical product. Mm -hmm. And even though the CD is a lot smaller than the album, it's still uh, a canvas on right. which you can portray art uh, that reflects the music. Uh, and I comment on that, too, because you have to respect uh, what they do with that. It's still it's still the size of a postcard. It's big enough. You know, hang on one second. Let me grab a couple of records are right over here and I'll show you what I mean. With this uh, thing to stretch. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's see what we got. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Charles Wright and the Watts 103rd Street Band. This is old. This is like three decades old, but he did the song Loveland, which is a classic soul song, mm. which I just love. And this, this is not the greatest selection because all the good ones are filed alphabetically downstairs. These are just <laughs> ones I, I have made up uh, sitting around. Right. Uh, all right. This is a big stir compilation. It's pretty good. I, uh, there we go. Oh, nice. I mean, I like the cover art. This is a collection of, of songs by all their artists. Right. Uh, this is a Beachwood Sparks album. This is not the best Beachwood Sparks album, but it's a pretty good cover. Uh, and who is the Beachwood Sparks? Well, they're, I call them canyon music. Music inspired by Crosby, Stills, and Nash and the Birds. Mm -hmm. And their first record is a masterpiece. Just incredible. Check out Beachwood Sparks if you like canyon music. And by that, it's also a, a connection with the Grateful Dead, especially Working Man's Dead. If you okay. like that sound, and, and let's face it, there are many modern bands now that take their sounds from, from decades ago. Oh, um, yeah. Because that format, the, the three or four minute song with the tonic, uh, the bridge and the hook, uh, will never go out of fashion. It's that hook that people crave. What's the hookiest song of all time? Well, it might be Come On Eileen, but there's also the Raspberries, Go All The Way. The Raspberries were a classic power pop band. Now, there are so many great power pop bands producing music today. I can't name them all. But if you go to popgeekheaven.com or powerpopaholic.com, we review those records religiously and we update them. Power Popaholic updates them at least once a week. And uh, he'll keep you uh, up to speed on what's coming, what's happening right now. I'll just name a few of my favorites. The foreign films from Canada, they will blow your mind. I, 
I think Bill Majoris is like Mozart. I mean, the way, except it's rock, you know, and, and it just rocks out. And Sloan is another Canadian band that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, uh, Wanderlust, uh, the Shazam, probably the greatest power pop band you've never heard of. They're no longer operating, but Wanderlust is still going concern. You just have to... Tower of Power Pops, that's uh, Soul. That's one of my favorite bands. I love Tower of Power. I can't get enough of them. I've seen them twice. I'd love to see them a, a dozen more times. And they've been together for 52 years. It's just unbelievable. Wow. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, so, uh, you, you, go ahead, Ben. No, go ahead. I was going to ask you what... Um, what do you have laid out for like the next couple of years? Are there any new stories you want to come out with? You got anything in the works? Oh, the pipeline is very crowded. Next up is Bronze Star, a supernatural Western uh, that Pat Broderick is illustrating. He's almost done. It's the greatest work of his career. It will just blow your mind. I've been posting a lot of the art, but if you want to see what it looks like, go to Pat Broderick's Facebook page. He's been posting a lot of it there. After that comes the second Florida Man graphic novel, and its only purpose is to make you spit up milk through your nose. <laughs> it's, it's even funnier than the first. Really excited about that. And uh, then we're doing a Nexus graphic novel that, that Kelsey Shannon is illustrating, uh, and Kelsey is knocking it out of the park. Mm. Uh, uh, and then I have some more projects that are a little further on down the line. Some of them haven't even been written yet. Uh, there's there's some of Pat's work for Bronze Star. Wow. The reason the town is so peaceful at night is because the, sh the sheriff is a werewolf. But that's not the main supernatural hook. I have to stress that. We're not giving away the story by showing a werewolf. I'll have to check that okay, one out. Okay, sounds interesting. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, and... Uh, I've already written the second Thin Blue Line, and it's even better than the first. We're all excited about that one. Thin Blue Line was a book we put out earlier this year about two police officers trying to survive a, uh, a night of rioting in a big Midwestern city. It was inspired by the, by the riots of 2020, and uh, anybody who's read it has, has gone crazy because it's one of the best stories I've ever done. It's a memorable story. It's probably the best story that, that appeared last year. No, I don't want to choose. I'm just down boy. Well, I'm very happy with it. But anyhow, that was a book <laughs> that this creature, this creature on Daily Cause, characterized as white police officers invading black neighborhoods to kill as many black people as possible. Nothing could be further from the truth. She obviously didn't read the book and has no interest in the book. And uh, that book is available if you go to thinbluelinecomics.com. Okay, so, and I know if you guys check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us, you can find all those links in the show notes, or you'll find a link that'll bring you to those links in the show notes. Wait, wait, wait. Did, did you just do that by yourself, Ben? I did. I was waiting for you, but we're 42 minutes in. You've totally fucking forgot. I took care of it. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, God. Leo. It's only because you're cold. Oh, yeah, well, much appreciated, much appreciated. Plus, uh, plus, I got like a knot in my back. I think I uh, the cold. I slept wrong. So put a hat on. 
<laughs> there you go. He told you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's warming up now. I, I don't know if you heard when when we came on. I, I didn't have heat last night, so it got uh, mighty cold in here. Where do you live? Uh, Connecticut. It, it's, yeah, it's, you're it, gonna get socked. Oh yeah. 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 It was uh, certainly not as cold as Colorado, but it was 22 last night. And uh, 22 without heat is uh, a little, little chilly. It's cold, but I think when Mike when we came on, Mike said it's going to be 18 below. Yeah, Tonight, I know. That's why yes. I said not. <laughs> 18 below. That's right, yeah, Even with heat, it's cold. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, do you, uh, do you do appearances and such? Occasionally. I'm not as busy as I used to be, but I've done a couple of cons this year. I, I did one in Boston over Thanksgiving. The only reason I did it is I lived in Boston for seven Where, years. Whereabouts? Uh, oh, geez. Cambridge, Brookline, Summerfield. Uh, Very nice. Back Bay. I was all over the place. Uh, and I have some good friends there I wanted to visit. But Very the, nice. uh, the con yeah. was, was interesting. It was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Boxborough Regency. <laughs> uh, no, I, I wrote... That I went to the airport with, with Lindsay Wagner. Yep, yep, yep. I know she was there. Yep, yep. Lindsay was there. Bill was there. So, yep. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of the shows we used to do a long time ago. We haven't done it in a few years. Do you know Gary Summers? Yep. Gary's yeah, we know written, Gary. Gary's written a rock opera. Yeah. Have Do you know about that? Yep. Have you heard it? I have not. You should give it a listen. Hang on yeah. a second. He was actually writing that the last time we were there. A couple years ago. Yeah, Besties. Beasties. Beasties, Besties. Right. And uh, if you go to Beasties Rock Opera dot com, Beasties Rock Opera dot com, you can listen to some of the songs. I think they're terrific. Yeah. I didn't know it was out. Yeah, I didn't know no. it was out yet. Well, I, he's releasing it digitally, and we're looking for a, a, a label. I told him I'd help him because I think it ought to be a CD because I'm not going to listen to it digitally. <laughs> <laughs> he's just not going to do it. He's you know. not going to read your book digitally, folks. He's not going to listen to the CD digitally. Send him a hard copy. Yeah. Physical yeah. copy? Well, I'm, like, I'm like that. I got all my CDs behind me. Yeah, yeah we're collectors. On the wall. We don't want digital comics or digital movies. I want a DVD box that I can pour over. And right, and I want to read a fucking book. Right. Yeah. Right. See, I, I do the best of both worlds. I, I buy the physical media and then I rip it and I have a media server. So it's, uh, you know, then I have it on a home network. So it's easy to access. But I have the physical media when I want to, you know, right. use it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I'm only about 35 minutes outside of Boston. Same with where Jeff. do you live? I'm in Plymouth. Oh yeah. And Jeff is in uh, Halifax, which is between me and Boston. So yeah, that's oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't well, even know you. Were you Small guys? Yeah, I didn't know you 70s? were there. What's that? Were you guys there in the 70s? Yeah, sure, uh, sure well, was. I was born in 72, so yeah. 
So yeah, I was here in the 70s. Yeah, I'm yep, gonna be nice. on yellow flash in a little bit. I'm gonna have to check out a little early, boys. That's fine. So I think his I think he said his uh computer's running low. Who's is that what you just said? No, no, I just say I'm gonna have to check out a little early here uh because I have to do some things before I appear on the next show. That's fine. That's or my fine. dogs will eat me alive. <laughs> so <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give it three more minutes. Okay. Okay. So last questions from anybody and last comments. I'm looking at the chat. So uh, will we wait for any other co questions or comments? Leo, yeah. Jeff. Yeah, totally. So I see you did a what if uh, number 83. Um, so what kind of, I know what ifs are like an alternate universe. Uh, what kind of constraints did Marvel give on like a what if? You know, yeah. I, I can't really remember any editorial interference I had on any book I wrote for Marvel or DC. Uh, Pops wants me to mention Smokes the Fox, which my friend Justin Belmont asked me to write. It's about a dope-smoking mutant fox in the wilds of Colorado. <laughs> yeah, you know that's kind of a conversation ender. I wish I had a copy here to show you. Well, there you go. There's a collaboration, Jeff. Right? We'll bring our weed-smoking zombies to his weed-smoking fox. <laughs> uh, no, didn't, didn't think that. No, good. that's a different kind of movie. That's foxy zombies. That's an X. Jeez. Oh, um. You also wrote, like we mentioned, uh, Batman and Superman. You, you've done work. No, on... I never wrote any Superman. I wrote a couple of Batman. No. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia is wrong because it said you had Action Comics. Wow. Wikipedia okay. wrong? How is this possible? <laughs> right. <laughs> it must be digital. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, uh, so, uh, what, what did you, uh, enjoy, uh, from, uh, writing Batman? Well, you know, uh, I wrote two, uh, Batman stories that Bill Reinhold illustrated and Bill's one of my favorite illustrators. And I took the opportunity, uh, to get him to draw futuristic architecture. It was so long ago, I forget what the stories were about, but I remember that they had something to do with architecture. Uh, and Bill's really good at that. Okay. Excellent. Okay, that was your last question. Well, fine then. You, you got you got a last question for our guest? I had one more. Uh, gone. I've got a lot of fucking <laughs> shit to read now. Well, you can you can have my question. You know? Go ahead, Leo. I'll let you. Uh, no, I was going to ask, how the hell did uh, did Atari Force happen? Like uh... that was my first job for DC. Uh, I'm not sure how that happened. They asked me to write Atari Force, and I was happy to do it. You know, I really uh, didn't know what I was doing, but I had good instincts. I always had confidence that I could write a comic. I don't know why. It took me 30 years to learn how to write a novel, but that's because I'm a slow learner. Uh, but I always felt I could write a comic. And, and one of the reasons I did was, I tried to be an artist for many years. And when I finally started writing comics, I wrote them by drawing each page out by hand and drawing in 
the complete scene, figures, landscapes, my half-assed perspective. I'm not a great artist, but I'm good enough that an editor and an artist can see what I'm doing at a glance. And this taught me a very important lesson as I moved from panel to panel. It was to always think, what happens next? Which is the essential question in all fiction. What happens next? And the reader has to care before he'll turn the page. Well, how do you make the reader care? There are a million different ways that you just have to make the reader care. You'll know when you get excited about your own work. As the great director Sam Fuller said, if it doesn't give you a hard on, throw it in the trash. Very true. Very true. And on that oh. note, <laughs> I was just thinking about all the stuff I could throw away. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Leo. Yeah, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening. Uh, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not going to say which is which, but I run the Dorkening Podcast Network. We got a ton of awesome shows on the network. A lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Matter of fact, we're going to be doing another live show at 9 p.m. So make sure you tune in for that. We're going to be having a lot of fun. And also check out Splash Pages from yesterday. We did a, a uh, live reading of Batman Noel. Uh, which was a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, six of us, we did all the voices and everything. Uh, but, uh, Michael, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Well, I'm on Twitter, at Bloody Red Baron. I'm on Facebook at the comics and novels of Mike Baron. I have a website, bloodyredbaron.com, and I have a Substack column, Mike Baron on Substack, and that's where I write about popular culture and a lot of things. Uh, check it out. Very cool, very cool. Jeffrey. Thanks, guys. Oh, it's my turn now. What was it? Stilltoken.com. Go to stilltoken.com. Yeah, that's what you want to do. I'm really gummy. Mike, it was an, you're an inspiration. Thank you very much. Um, glad you were able to join us. And, uh, yeah, I'm really fucking high right now. <laughs> uh, Benjamin, take us out. <clears throat> so, like Jeff said, stilltoking.com for all Michael's links and notes. They're in the show notes up above, down below, depending on where you're watching or listening. You'll find him. Check him out. Definitely check out Private American. Give it a pump up. I definitely want to see this come out. Uh, along with all the um, other amazing stuff that he's already done. It's it's there. You can find it, trust me. To all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day so people like us can do what we do. We're out of here. We'll see you next week. Stay safe.